Chris Gelser here with Matt Howell. And on this episode of The First Run, Matt and I are going to discuss Boy Erased, starring Lucas Hedges, Nicole Kidman, Russell Crowe, written and directed by Joel Edgerton, who also features in the film, about a young man who undergoes gay conversion therapy. We're also going to discuss the latest action film, The Night Comes for Us, starring Iko Yowawas, which is usually really cool and good. I like this guy. He's, he's a badass, man. And then we're also going to tell you what we think our five favorite holiday movie characters are. So um, it should be an interesting and fun show. Maybe we'll find out. I'm, I'm pot committed at this point, so I'm going to say yes. So let's hear a clip from Boy Erased. We've got one question for you, son. And we're going to let you sleep. It's been a big day. I have shared our conversations with these two fine, upstanding men, and I've asked them for their guidance. I can tell you right now, we don't have all the answers, but I do know that you're gonna hold the key to the next step. Mother and I, we cannot see a way that you can live under this roof, attend service, and work at the dealership if you're gonna fundamentally go against the grain of our beliefs and against God himself. I'm gonna ask you that question now, son. In your heart, do you want to change? So Matt, why don't you ask the fine folks, and no, no, you don't have to ask them, why don't you tell them? What is Boy Erased all about, if I may? Sure. Um, well, like I said at the bump, um, it's the story of a, a young man who um, whose family is uh, lives in fundamentalist South, I believe it's Arkansas, and his father, played by Russell Crowe, is a up and coming Baptist uh, minister, um, and it, he gets outed while he's at college that he is um, gay, and his parents essentially, um, as you heard in the clip, demand that he attend gay conversion therapy because obviously it's not something that that jibes with their beliefs um and he gets put into a facility called love and action where all kinds of horrible things happen there you go i think that works for me and of course as always this episode is specifically mastered for our listening experience matt and this week it's it's actually fighting your best friend in a martial arts fight it's got nothing to do with boy or race we'll talk more about that later so okay. this one this film was <sighs> I struggle with this one. I'm going to be perfectly straight with you, all right? Because I find this to be a fascinating and terrifying subject. So, it's... it's. So, Joe Edgerton here, as I said, is, is tackling this. And this can be really difficult stuff. Now, I think my issue is I'm trying to separate kind of my feelings from this because I don't know, maybe at this point I've just been too radicalized. Uh, but for me, maybe you can help me with this, Matt. I felt that, though telling in an emotionally deep and important story, that the film seemed to lack the emotional depth that I hoped it would have. Mm. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. I mean, I think all of the performances are fantastic, but it does it does seem to be lacking a certain I don't know what. Um, it doesn't really hit all of the points that you would think it would. And I I know this is based on a true memoir, which I've never read, but mm. um, I don't know. I, I think um, 
they spend so much time trying to kind of tell you kind of what's going on with these people and kind of how everybody got to where they are. But I think you're right. It's just, there's something missing from it. Yeah. I don't know if it's just that Edgar doesn't go far enough here. Cause this is some mm. really, really difficult stuff. And I think that the always, the impact to the characters always kind of felt so just kind of matter of fact. And I didn't get, so here's the thing. I think what Edgerton's trying to do is to give us a film that deals with this subject, right? But do it in the most uh, palatable way possible, the most right. acceptable way to do so. Instead of really digging into the horrors of what this conversion therapy does. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, he makes a little allusions and asides to it when one one character takes his own life, right? So, but you're, there's still you don't there's no impact for it really. Mm. You know, and I think that's the problem. Now, where it works is he doesn't portray uh, Lucas Hedges' parents, Kidman and Crow, as like, you know, Phelps X-S kind of maniacs, right? The Phelps family, that cult. So he doesn't portray them that way, uh, which I think was a smart decision because you don't want to have kind of just these paper versions, these, you know, caricatures and not actual characters. Right. But the problem is he spreads that pixie dust too far. Well, that was a poor metaphor. He, <laughs> he spreads that, though, too far across the whole film. And yeah. it ends up making the movie too subdued. Yeah, I can see that. And I don't know if what he was trying to do, in doing a little research for this, um, you know, I, I read that um, there, even in the memoir that the, the young man who um, Lucas Hedges plays, um, he he well you know obviously he he it was a it was a bad experience for him it was a traumatizing experience for them he but he did say he learned some things and there were some good parts about it that kind of made him like revelations to himself so i don't know if what Edgerton was trying to do was kind of not display everybody as a villain i mean even sykes is obviously conflicted and everybody who's involved in this thing is conflicted i mean hates who they are so i guess it's just a matter of i don't know if he was trying to bring a little more empathy and just kind of made it flat trying to do that whole thing i'm not sure i guess but it's still it's still really raw mm. i mean no this, yeah this i don't think anybody's arguing that. people's lives and right. the way that it's portrayed maybe this is the the fine happy-go-lucky one that for the most part you know you know it's not for me but i learned something about myself you know I, no this is i don't know so that's where i part where i think my personal views get into this so that makes it difficult for me I don't know. The performances by our leads are all good, right? Yep. I mean, Crow, Kidman, Hedges, and Edgerton are both are all both are, are all great in this thing. It's just as I said, it's too subdued. It doesn't go far enough. It doesn't have the emotional impact that I think this kind of subject and maybe even Edgerton really wanted in the first place. Right. Uh, there's also two. So the non this, there's a non linear narrative in this thing, Matt, that was kind of confusing for me at times. I've struggled to identify where and when we were. Right. And then also there's some things I don't get. So maybe you can help me with this. Does his, is his dad a priest or a, he runs a car dealership or is, mm-hmm. does he just organize the morning prayers for the dealership? I couldn't grasp what his, his relationship to that dealership. Is he both? He owns the dealership and he's studying to become a minister. Okay. Yeah. So he's basically really involved in his church, and he's planning on obviously becoming a pastor. I don't know if he would still own the car dealership, but he owns the car dealership. Okay, I guess that's fine. <laughs> I just I don't know. It's just it was just I, I had trouble kind of tracking things at some time. Sometimes that's all. Right. 
So overall, it's okay. You know, like I said, it's 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 missing a few things, but it's fine. I ended up giving this thing a B minus. Where did you come down? Yeah, I gave it a B. Um, I think maybe the strength of the performances for me were a little bit kind of pushed a, a little higher for me, but it's a decent film. Um, but it's again, I think it's one that'll be it's ultimately forgettable. We won't be talking about this probably ever again. So no, likely not. Ooh, I should share with you my final line on this. I got really on my my high horse. I don't. No, oh, did I don't you? Think I will though. Oh, it's pretty disappointing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Choose an email feedback at thefirstrun dot com. Share us your thoughts on Boy Erased. Maybe I'll share with you my final uh, venomous line that I've decided to excise because it's just it's entirely too much. So we'd love to hear from you as always. All right, Matt, let's move on. Talk about what's coming up on Blu-ray and DVD this upcoming Tuesday. Uh, today, December 18th. And dare I say, the more I think about it, the more I think I may love this film. So take a listen. What are you guys doing? Looking at Terrell's hack. 142,000 downloads. That's like three times the size of Salem. I'm sorry, but I just don't have like any sympathy for people that get their shit hacked. For real? Yeah, I mean, there's two types of people in this world, you know? Like, the people that have come to terms with privacy is just dead. And, like, you know, then there's the old people that are still trying to fight it. I guess. I mean, the internet is amazing. Like, this guy in Minnesota, he's, like, 42, whatever. But basically inspiring people, you know? And my life is so cool. And, like, people connect with me on such a level. Then, like... Basically, my job for the day is done. I, I'm not that guy subscribing to Bella Thorne's Amazon wishlist, no matter what you may hear. <laughs> so that is a clip from Assassination Nation. Uh, it's coming out this upcoming Tuesday. It includes some deleted and extended scenes, a gag reel. Man, a film just dead in the water at the box office, right? But um, is, a, is, I think, a, a fun, nasty little thriller. Mm. and uh, has a lot to say, and I think is mostly successful with what it's trying to say. So you can check that one out. Another film, Matt, that we both really enjoyed earlier this year, A Simple Favor. This is the one with Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick. Yep. Uh, this is another nasty little thriller from Paul Feig. Very funny, but very cool. It includes three audio commentaries with the cast and crew, some gag reels, deleted scenes, and some other stuff. One of the bigger disappointments, is it a disappointment if you didn't think it was going to be really that good? The Predator, so. the Predator is being released. Mm. This is, of course, Shane Black's version, an attempt to do stuff. It's Best Buy comes with a steel book. Uh, Target gives you a digibook, deleted scenes, a bunch of other stuff. Speaking of disappointments, Matt, guess what else is coming out this week? And for most people, probably the biggest release of the week, though they would be wrong. And in the immortal words of Eminem, Venom, that song <laughs> is atrocious. Remember the Venom song from the movie? Uh, uh, no, I, I haven't seen it. I did not. Gonna get him because that Venom. Oh, you never no. saw Venom. Uh, no, I never did. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, that's right. I had this, I saw this with a uh, uh, friend of the show, Jamal Wright Ford Bay. Him and I discussed uh, Venom. You guys were not impressed. No, nonplussed, if mm. I may. It is not good. Though the kids seem to like it, and it did gangbusters overseas, so we will be seeing another one. Good. That's great. A whole bunch of stuff, some deleted <laughs> and extended scenes, and stuff. it's just, it's bad. Eli Roth takes a dive into the kitty horror realm with a house with a clock on its walls. 
Includes, I didn't know that he directed that. Yeah, I didn't realize it either, but he certainly did. And I thought this was a sequel to The Goosebumps, but it's not. It's something oh. entirely different. Okay. So, includes Jack Black's greatest fear when uh, Eli Roth plays a prank on good old Jack. His Eli Roth's director journals as well, and some other stuff. Fahrenheit 11.9 is being released. Michael Moore's latest documentary about the 2016 presidential election and the subsequent presidency of somebody. Uh, new to Blu-ray coming up is uh, Schindler's List, Matt. 25th anniversary. Includes a brand new 25 years later document or documentary feature length thing you could watch. Uh, Voices from the List, a feature length documentary, I should say, is includes interviews um, from survivors and relatives of uh, Oscar Schindler. So, man, I was going back and forth on this because this is a 4K release too. I have this on Blu-ray. Or is it, do I just have it on DVD? I think I have it on Blu-ray. Is this an upgrade, Matt? I mean, this is one of those things where it's just, a, it's, oh, it's so gorgeous and beautiful, but it is tough. Yeah. I don't know. I probably wouldn't. I wouldn't upgrade it. Because, I mean, honestly, how many times do you pull Schindler's List off the, the shelf? Yeah. That's true. Criterion is given a sawdust and tinsel. Igmar Bergman presents the Battle of the Sexes as a ramshackle, grotesque carnival, humiliation, and sawdust and tinsel. One of the master's most vivid early works and one of his first of many collaborations of the great cinematographer Sven Nykvist. Includes a new 2K restoration, audio commentary by Brigman scholar Peter Cowie, and a bunch more. They're also releasing Panic. Proud, eccentric, and antisocial Monsignor Hire, played by Michael Simon, has always kept to himself, Matt. But after a woman turns up dead in Paris... Where he lives, he feels drawn to a pretty young newcomer to town, discovers his neighbors are only way too ready to be suspicious of him, and he's framed for the murder. Includes a brand new 2K restoration as well. New interview with author Peter Simonson, the son of the novelist for the book that it's based on. Conversations from 2015, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Here's one that made me feel old. Guess what Shot Factory is releasing a 40th anniversary edition of one of my all-time favorite comedies, Starring Steve Martin. The Jerk? Correct. 40th anniversary. Wow. He's shooting out the cans. Brand new 2K remaster of the film. A brand new conversation with Steve Martin and Carl Reiner as well. And I think, too, The Jerk is where I think my crush for Bernadette Peters began. And lives on to this day. Makes sense. Shot Factory is also giving us Dracula, Prince of Darkness, includes the U.S. and U.K. versions, and a brand new 4K remaster of the U.S. version, struck from the interpositive from the 20th century vaults. There's a new audio commentary as well, two of them, in fact, and some ported over ones, including one from including Christopher Lee himself, and some super eight super eight millimeter behind the scenes footage. Warner Archive is also giving us the horror of Dracula, starring Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing as well. Includes a brand new remaster sourced from the Hammer BFI restoration of the film. Warner Archive is also dropping Seahawk, which is the Errol Flynn film. Includes a brand new remaster of the original theatrical cut of the film and a bunch of other stuff. Bloody Birthday from Arrow, the 1981 horror film, with brand new 2K restoration of that bad bear. And brand new audio commentaries and new interviews as well. Getting released on Blu-ray, Matt, for the first time is Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. From the Muppets, a family classic. Are you a fan of the Jug Band? Is this your chance to pick it up and watch the um, little one? I, honestly, I don't think I've ever seen the Jug Band. Mm. It's, I'm drawing a complete blank on the Jug Band. Don't beat yourself up. 
Oh, well. uh, on 4K, finally, I think it was supposed to come out like a month ago, but it kept getting pushed back. 2001 includes uh, from Best Buy as a steel book. You know, though, when I was out on Black Friday, they actually had one there. So I don't know if it leaked early or something. I don't quite know. But it was still, it was like 35, 40 bucks at the time. So I did not pick it up. I think it's mm. down to like 24 on Amazon right now. Your straight to DVD pick of the week is Tumas 3, Dr. Nightmare. So I want you to listen carefully, Matt, when I read this, all right? And see if you can spot the little weird thing in the copy that we were provided from the Tumors people. The young doctor oncologist receives an offer, which impossible to refuse. An invitation to a medical conference in Geneva, where soon will happens competition between the most genius doctors from around the world. But for a victory in this competition, the doctor needs the biggest tumor ever seen. For the sake of victory, she is ready for everything, including killing his own patients, for whose life she recently fought. However, the death of patients is ultimately not enough to heed the victory and the doctor face a choice that is not so easy to decide. Tumors 3, Dr. Nightmare. Not a direct continuation of the previous two parts, Matt, but a brand new interpretation of the monstrous story with new experiences, horrors, and of course, new victims and odd ESL translations, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's pretty uh, That's pretty word salad right there. Enjoy. Tumors 3. Oh, excuse me. Tumas 3, Dr. Nightmare. What should we be streaming this week? I'm assuming you're not going to mention Black Dynamite, which is currently on Netflix. No, I'm not going to mention Black Dynamite. But I want to mention uh, another film that's a favorite of the show. So since it is the season, um, I'm going to recommend Bad Santa, which is uh, the story of criminals Willie and Marcus disguising themselves as Santa Claus and an elf to find work at malls and major department stores with plans of robbing them blind. Um, It is a... uh, nasty little uh you know black comedy that um you know if you're a misanthrope like the two of us you will highly enjoy yeah i've been meaning to catch back up with that you know what i've never seen the sequel me neither i haven't seen it either so maybe i'll try and do a double feature one night during the holidays i don't know but uh yeah i do like that original one you know what i did watch tonight with the missus uh christmas vacation oh yeah it's a good one it's is it though is it though (laughs) <laughs> um, I think it's more of a nostalgia thing. I mean, we watch it all the time. We watch it every year. So it kind of, yeah, I guess so. But probably doesn't. If it wasn't a huge fan, it probably isn't going to hold up. I used to like it as a kid, uh, but it's not as good as I remember it. That's for sure. Mm. But I'm bitter and old and cantankerous. You are. You are very cantankerous. That is fair. All right. Mm. So let's go ahead and keep, keep the train rolling. <clears throat> I appreciate the coughing into the mic. Sorry, I tried to mute. I tried to mute it, but uh, obviously you're I not, did not just, do it correctly. That's all right. You're not feeling well. I appreciate you sticking it out tonight. Uh, the fans certainly do. I know my mom is excited. <laughs> Hi, Mrs. Chris's mom. <laughs> you're right. You be respectful. So let's go ahead and hear a clip from "The Night Comes for Us." Tell me, the girl, what did she do? Nothing. It's what a village did. We caught the local fishermen skimming our product. Took a little too much from our shipments. Try to sell it to small time dealers. In our business, sometimes, you see a leak, you better drown the whole boat. She's liability, you know? Maybe not now, not tomorrow. Either way, the bosses need her gone. Send a good warning to the competition. 
So, what do I get out of this? Indeed, what does Eco get out of this? That's basically your plot, Matt, right? So mm. they're, they, they send out a, a hit squad to take out this village. The leader of the squad is Ito, and he has a change of heart. After they massacre the, the, the village, there's a young girl left, and he just he can't do it. I guess there's still a bit of humanity in him. He disobeys his orders, takes the girl, and basically goes on the run. His former best friend, played by Ike Uwais, his name is Arian, is sent to hunt him down and kill the girl. That's basically our plot in this thing. Right. So this is based off of, originally it started off as a screenplay for a film that didn't get made. They made it into a graphic novel, and it has now since been made into a film. It is written and directed by Timo Tajihanto, and it stars uh, Joe Taslam, who was in The Raid, um, and then uh, Iko Uwais, who of course is a star of The Raid. I got to tell you, Matt, Iko does not have a huge part in this unfortunately if, I'll put it this way he's not in it enough for me alright this guy there, right. he, I, he's a very charismatic guy and he kicks a whole ton of ass and he does kick some ass in this film but just not as much as I wanted plus this role is kind of different for him than what he's played previously uh, sure. the lead of course Joe Taslam is is good He's you know, and he delivers the, uh, the kicks and the punches and he looks earnestly at the camera and seems to struggle with his life and what he's going to do in the next chapter but um, this thing's a little different. This is, I would describe this as the brutal grindhouse cousin, maybe, to those raid films. Okay. While those were intense and violent, this is intense, violent, and gory as hell. All right, this one, uh, he really, Tajahanto, he really kind of turns up the violence and the gore in this thing. And unfortunately for me, Matt, it wasn't enough to make up for a confusing narrative and I think plainly a poorly structured plot. I don't know what yeah. you think. Yeah, I don't think there's really I mean, saying that this thing has a plot is is kind of generous. Um you know so I don't know what it is for me. Um I enjoyed the raid films, but I don't think I like them as much as a lot of people do. Um and I think my criticism of that film kind of carry overs to this one and it's also but to a much higher level. Um it just gets really tedious after a while. I mean, the, there's not mm-hmm. all of the different fight scenes. There's only so many times you can watch one dude take on like 30 guys. Um, and, you know, and, and some of it, I really appreciated. I did. Uh, I, I'm just choosing that there's a little Steven Seagal shout out there with the cue ball. Um, right. you know, the, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, um, I don't know. It just like, like it started off, you know, like, Oh, this is brutal and watching this things and getting all hyped and watching it. But then, you just become completely desensitized to it by the end. And there's not enough, like you said, story to really carry it. Um, so then it's kind of like, why am I watching this? Yeah. And that's what's interesting about the raid films, right? Cause a raid is very simple. This, this squad of police have to survive this apartment building. And that's it. Really. And then, right. and then the raid two, Berengal is much deeper. It's much more complex. There's a lot of more layers. There's a lot more going on. So you could say it's overstuffed. I think that's a fair criticism. This is just kind of sloppy, and it's it's just more about portraying the next violent scene more than it is telling an interesting and cohesive story, unfortunately. Now, I was a little disappointed because this was being, you know, pumped up as like this great intense action film that you can now see on Netflix, and unfortunately, it's not. It's just brutal. Now, um, if, if you're into that kind of stuff, that's fine, and honestly, Matt, my grade, I think I'm giving this, I'm grading it on a curve. 
when it comes to if I'm grading it basically, if you like this type of stuff, I think you're really going to enjoy this. Um, but overall, as a, as a film, it's it's just okay. So it's I don't know. That's basically where I'm falling down, to be honest with you. So I think an underused UIS was a mistake. And uh, I, I became more acceptable of Taslam being the focus of the film after I kind of realized where we were going with this thing. Uh, so that's fine. I don't know, Matt. I ended up, so my curve grade is a B minus. I think if I'm being honest with myself, I end up giving this thing a C, C plus. Yeah. But uh, I think the action scenes are choreographed well. There's an introduction of a female fighter in this that's, Really interesting, and I almost wanted to follow her story than I wanted maybe the, the main through line of this thing. I like the idea of the six C's potentially. I don't know. I just just some wasted opportunities, but the fight scenes are intense enough to kind of keep me interested. So that's why I ended up with a B minus. Yeah, um, I was leaning towards C plus myself. Um, I think this thing really suffers just because we've had some really just fantastic um, action films come out in the past, you know, five, 10 years um, that really have like a lot of variety in what you're seeing, whether it's mm-hmm. like a, a Fallout or uh, the John Wick films or even the Raid. Um, so it's like this kind of just suffers being compared to anything else that's just, I think, better in its genre. So C plus, um, it just, like I said, it gets stale after a while. Yeah, I mean, it's miles ahead of stuff I think of like, was it 12, not 12 blocks, it's 80, 90 minutes, whatever. The most recent Wahlberg film where he runs like a special task force. Right. And uh, Ico Uis was in that as well. That one is, that's, I hate that thing. God, I hate that thing. Um, but there's some other, some other stuff too that I think this is superior to, but you're right. When you hold it up against a Wick or the Raid films, it, it, it's it's a faint cousin. And uh, Taja Hanto, I think he does have an eye for framing and shooting that gratuitous violence, but we just need to flesh out the story a bit more. We need, I need, yeah. a, I need more of a narrative hook to keep me interested. I can only take so many guys having their faces bashed in the walls and people being st- stabbed in the genitalia where I'm like, yeah, okay, what's next? Well, just described your uh, preferences. There you are. Pornographic preferences right there. Need more stories. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thank you very much. So if you had a chance yeah. to see The Night Comes For Us, currently streaming on Netflix, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, next up we're going to talk about our five favorite holiday movie characters. And I decided to have a little fun with this. And um, I don't know, should be should be fun and interesting, maybe. I'm going to go, what are the odds? Um, 75% that this will be a fun segment, which means I'm feeling confident. Now then, sir, about the uh, donation? Well, now, let's see. I know how to treat the poor. My taxes go to pay for the prisons and the poor houses. The homeless must go there. But some would rather die. If they'd rather die, then they'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. dear. This is the door, you may use it. All right, Beaker, come along. I think we've taken enough of Mr. Scrooge's time. That is the Muppet Christmas Carol. Michael Caine playing Scrooge, of course. And I had to get that in there. It didn't make the cut for me, but man, that is a classic, I think. Maybe... Well, not my favorite Christmas Carol, but it is up there. Yeah, I forgot how much I really liked the Muppet Christmas Carol. It's a fun one. 
So, uh, Matt, I'll go first. I'll give you the ultimate number one. Okay. Um, but I want to start off by saying that this is my honorary George Bailey list because oh, okay. I think there was no other. He would easily be my number one. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, let me take him out of the lineup and just make it my honorary George Bailey. Okay. So my number five is going to be Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. I can't think of a more evil villain in a holiday film than Mr. Potter. I mean, this guy, Matt, is just, he's vile. What he's willing to do, letting people live in the slums and steals the money. And I, I just, which could ruin George, which of course obviously is the whole conceit of the film, how we get to where, what the whole point is. But still, he by uh, John Barrymore plays Potter, and he is just he's just lapping it up, and it is so much fun to watch him in this thing. So he, even though he's contemptible and about as scroogey as it gets, because there is no real redemptive arc for him in this thing at all. Uh, but still, he is one of my favorite characters. I love watching him on the screen. So Mr. Potter is my five. All right, very good. Um, so my number five is also, I think, one of the quintessential uh, humbugs of the um, Christmas season, and it's The Grinch. Um, and I actually went and saw the Benedict Cumberbatch version of this um, the other day. And it's oh, actually exactly. not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. Um, but, it, you know, and it really made you think, man, The Grinch, he's probably had a lot going on in his life. And he's, uh, you know, he's just got to have some people that are there for him. That's all he really needs. And, you know, I relate because I am grumpy and um, unsociable, and no one likes me. Well, I th- I'm I'm fond of you. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. So my number four, and I was a little nervous because I watched this film tonight to see if I had made the right pick, and thankfully I had. So mm. from Christmas Vacation, no, no, I'm not talking about Clark. I'm talking about the hero of Christmas Vacation, and that's Cousin Eddie. He probably inserts most of the humor into this film. And if you really think about it, he saves the day. Mm. By kidnapping Brian Doyle Murray, Clark Oswald's dad, dad, Clark Oswald's boss, right? He's able to then help set things in motion that causes Clark to get his bonus after all. So then he can have his pool and not have his check bounce. And while I'm watching this thing with my wife, I'm just thinking like, I can't begin to imagine how quickly I would be divorced if I took all of our savings without telling my wife, right. put a down payment on something, not knowing money was coming in, especially a pool of all things. Right. In in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't begin to... Th- and then, of course, there's the scenes where he's checking out the other women all the time or that one yeah. woman and then he has the fantasy yeah. scene. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, it's... No. At least Cousin Eddie's pure. Yes, that's very true. So he's my number four. Well, you know what? Great minds think alike because he was also my number four. Um, I think you put it best. I mean, somebody, he's got a big, dumb heart. And all of the best scenes of that film are really come from Randy Quaid or are in discussion of Randy Quaid. Um, mm-hmm. He's uh, he's uh, uh, he's a little treasure in that film. I really enjoyed him before he went completely off the rails. Yeah. So there you go. I'm glad we agree. I wonder mm-hmm. if we agree again. My number three is Willie T. Stokes, Bad Santa himself, played by mm-hmm. Billy Bob Thornton, yep. who likes to make love in uncomfortable places. Uh, but <laughs> still, a, a classic, I think, a modern holiday classic, just not only because of its profanity, but just how funny it is. And in the end, it's it's kind of sweet, sort of. 
So, um, yeah, I just absolutely love this. One of my favorite holiday characters. It is, it is hilarious to watch. He is a horrible guy who kind of turns things around, kind of, and uh, does the best he can taking care of that kid. Tries to thwart the robbery, right? And uh, remember correctly, again, I haven't watched this thing in about seven, eight years. He 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 takes a shot, right? Doesn't he take a bullet in that film at the end? I don't remember. I, I can't really remember. I'm going to have to watch know. this again. We'll report yeah. back on that. But still, entertaining is all hell. Billy Bob Thornton, a lot of fun to watch. So he's my number three. Willie T. Stokes. There you go. Well, my number three is probably going to make Chris mad. Um, but my number three is George Bailey. Um, you know, classic. Three. I know. Here's the thing, Chris. I always. It's a Wonderful Life is a bit of a treacly kind of sugary film for me. I never had as much affection for it as you do. Um, but I do enjoy the film. But um, I don't know. I mean, uh, George is. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. But he is, it is a fantastic a performance. Bitch. <laughs> no, I just. <laughs> that pains me. I watch Sorry. It's a Wonderful Life every year on Christmas Eve before I go to bed. And I get it gets dusty in the first run headquarters every time. I have seen this thing, Matt. How old am I now? Thirty? I have seen <laughs> this thing twenty five times, maybe. Right. I started watching this thing annually a while ago. And every time it still gets me. And I it's just it's that end scene. It's just, oh, I just, I can't believe Bailey's your number. I just, I don't know what to say. I don't, this, this may be the last show. I'm really crushed by this. <laughs> so dramatic. So speaking of characters with big hearts, but maybe not as just vile. Uh, my number two is Del. Del Griffith. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Played by the late uh, lamented John Candy. And his, him and he and Steve Martin trying to get home. Um, and as I love this part where Steve Martin kind of pieces together what's up with Dell's life, right? And what's really going on. It's heartbreaking. He is the heart and soul of that film. He is the engine that keeps it going. He is just, is a guy that you love. He's so annoying, but you can't help but love him and love him because of it. And, uh, so he's my number two is Dell. Uh, just an all time favorite for me. There you go. So my number two um, is a, a film that I think Chris watches while he wraps presents in the 24-hour marathon. Um, it's not going to be Ralphie. It's going to be Ralphie's dad, which I don't even think he ever gets a proper name in it. Um, but um, just Ralphie's dad is just kind of like this this portrait of this uh, family man who loves his family, but he's obviously also you know tired and just kind of wants some peace and quiet. And it just he's just got a little bit of everybody's dad, especially around Christmas. Um, and it's it's a lot of fun to watch him. You know, that's a good one. You know what's funny? I don't I'm so for the people who don't know, I come from a broken home. And uh, when I was young and my father uh remarried and had three lovely children, so I have uh, two half sisters and a half brother. And their their tradition was when TBS runs a Christmas story, Matt they watch it and they that they they just keep watching it for right. the 24-hour marathon they watch it until okay. basically they fall asleep and then okay. they wake up they keep watching it all right so i don't know when they started doing that i just know they did and it's i never got into it i like a christmas story a lot i don't i don't i don't like it that much 
No. So it's no, it's a wonderful life. No. Oh God, no. Though I don't even know if I'm gonna watch this wonderful life for 24 hours straight either. Once a year, I'm good. I'm solid. No, my wrapping presents thing. So here's here's my checklist basically, right? Is a Black Christmas 1974, which I watched last week. Um, now all three Mystery Science Theater Christmas episodes. Mm, nice. And then I'm trying, obviously, going to work, trying to work Bad Santa in the rotation. Um, we do Christmas story. I've got Elf. I've been watching Elf in 15 minute clips right now because it's every every time I put it on, something seems to happen. But uh, yeah, so that's I think is that it? I feel like I'm missing something. I don't know. Either way, so uh, I'll be uh, starting up. Obviously, it's a wonderful life coming up soon, and maybe trying to finish Elf. So my number one. Is played by a living legend. My number one is Frank Cross, played by Bill Murray in Scrooge. Mm. A film that without Bill Murray, dare Matt I say, may not be that good at all. Oh, no. But what he's able to bring to that thing, it is a delight. It's hilarious. It's a little naughty. It's a lot of fun. And all of it because of Mr. Murray himself. Um, that's it. That's another one that's in my rotation. Hello. Scrooged. So, yeah. So Scrooged, uh, but Frank Cross, played by Bill Murray, is, I guess, my favorite holiday movie character. It's definitely probably my favorite spin on the Scrooge character. So there you go. Can you stop with the GD hammering? <laughs> <laughs> I say that to this day, anytime there's hammering. It doesn't even have to be during the holidays. If I hear right. any banging. Yep. I'll say it. All right. Well, my number one is um, the, I guess, curse film of, of Christmas holiday go-rounds, but uh, it's Buddy the Elf. I don't know why I like Elf so much, but I absolutely adore the film. It's just uh, mm-hmm. it's just fun. I can watch it with my daughter. It's it's funny. Um, and it's, it's, it's a good modern classic. I mean, a lot of Christmas movies come and go, but this one has staying power, and I think it's part of the canon at this point. Yeah, no, I had uh, Buddy in my honorable mentions. I also had Clark Griswold. I had Ralphie. I had Gizmo. Mm. Um, I had Margot Kidder's character from Black Friday, Barbara Barb Cord. Um, she's actually a lot of fun in that thing. And I did not, I repeat, I did not have John McClane. Nor did I have, if I had to choose one, though, from Die Hard, it would be Hans Gruber. But we are not going to discuss this, Matt. I am not getting into this. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Right. Because I don't, I don't, I don't. Let's not talk about it. I don't know if you have a strong opinion on this either way. I don't have a strong opinion on it really. I'm leaning though that it's not really a Christmas film. I lean towards that it's a film that happens at Christmas time. Yeah, I think that's yeah. where I am as well. Yeah. All right. Well, that disappointed me because I had a whole new audio clip planned in case you had agreed that it was a Christmas. Thought it was a Christmas <laughs> movie that I now I can't use. So we'll have to pocket it for later. Do you have any other honorable mentions? Uh, no, not really. Not that you haven't mentioned. Okay. Good times. Well, do Good you times. have any honorable mentions at home there, kids? Shoot us an email at feedback at com. I'd love to hear all about it. Next week, Matt, what's it going to be? So it's going to be Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, right? Yes. I am going to see... Now, we don't have to do all of these. We don't have to do two of the theaters this week because the holidays are crazy. But also, I think we have some time off, so you don't know. Right. But my plan is to see Spider-Man. I want to see The Favorite tomorrow right. as well. Um, I'm going to try and see Vox Lux. Yep. 
And then at some point, I want to check out the mule, which yep. is uh, Clint, who supposedly has not one, but two threesomes in the film. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> With Clint? <laughs> yes. Okay, wow. Okay. And then the following week, right, for Christmas, you have Vice, Holmes vs. Watson, Destroy, the Nicole Kidman film, Stan and Ollie, which comes out a few days later. There's yep. a lot going on. I can guarantee yeah. you this. Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. And then we're going to do the Kurt Russell um, Sylph movie that's uh, on Netflix. Okay. If you're not familiar with what Sylph is, just Google uh, Kurt Russell Santa Netflix. <laughs> or just Google Sylph. That there may you tell you what that's all, all about. We may have a special guest next week, too. We don't know. It's uh, We're trying to work it out with uh, that individual's agent. But um, right. we'll see if this person has the time. All right. So Here's yeah, let's hope. So that's going to be the big show for this week, Matt. Why don't we uh, go ahead and take an extended break, and we'll see you soon. Bye.